0: This is the Southwest Christadelphian Bible School. Today is the 14th day of July, 1999. It is class three. Our speaker is Brother Bob Lloyd. His subject is Marriage Guidance from the Word of God. And today's title is Children are the Heritage of the Lord. Brother Bob. Thank you, Brother Lou. Good morning, my beloved brothers and sisters. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, thank you very much. We're howling for joy, huh? I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, she does keep a good secret. She begged me not to howl, all of you howl. Poor Stan Isabel thinks we're all crazy. He wasn't here. Children are the heritage of the Lord. A mother recently asked help in handling her defiant three-year-old daughter, Sandy. Sandy had her mother hopelessly beaten. She was a tyrant and a dictator. And the poor mother didn't know how to turn from the right to the left. We're going to call the mother Sister Jones. So we have Sandy and Sister Jones. And and this is a scenario that took place the day before. Sandy's not accustomed to doing anything she does not want to do. And that time is not one of her acceptable lists of things to do. So the mother has put Sandy down for her nap, but the child was more interested in antagonizing her mother than to merely having a nap. So Sandy began to scream. She yelled loud enough to upset the entire neighborhood. She was fraying poor Sister Jones's nerves and she tearfully demanded, little Sandy did, that one thing after another. Finally she wanted a a glass of water. So at first Sister Jones refused to comply because she knew it was just an excuse for time. But when the child continued to scream at the top of her lungs, she, she relented and she goes into the kitchen and she gets a glass of water and she brings it back to Sandy. She comes up to Sandy with the water she hands it to her little girl, and her little girl defiantly refuses it because you didn't bring it to me when I said. So she's all right. You may have this water, but I'm going to count to five, and if you haven't taken it by the time I five, I'll take it back. One, two, three, four, five. What? Yeah! The child was dangling her mother like a yo-yo. She finally tired of the uh, game and left her mother alone but sister Jones and her little daughter are among the many casualties of an unworkable illogical philosophy of child management that has been dominating the literature of children for the past few years children are permitted to rule their own bewildered parents Children who are, willed, are permitted to will, will rule their, will their bewildered parents are the most unhappy and frustrated people on earth. Nevertheless, the humanistic theories of today conclude that this is exactly what we should do. There's a movement called the Child, Children's Rights Movement, CRM, and their objectives are outlined in a child's bill of rights. Dr. Richard Farson... Uh, authored this, Birthrights, a Child's Bill of Rights, Macmillan Publishing Company, New York. Rule number one children should have the right to make all their own decisions. CRM advocates consider this to be the fundamental right on which all others stand. As such, its purpose is the annihilation of parental leadership. Children of any age should have the right to live wherever they want to live. For example, if a three-year-old little boy decides he wants to move in with a a neighbor who buys him candy all the time, his parents are legally prohibited from bringing him back home. Children of any age should have the right to vote and to be involved in any decision that affects their lives—governmental, educational, medical, or family. This is the Children's Bill of Rights. Children should have access to any information that is available to adults. Not even pornography should be shielded from a child. Children should be permitted to engage in any kind of activity they want to do. Children should not have their physical environment constricted to any size uh, that would take away their rights. Children should never be spanked under any circumstances whether at school or at home. Children should be guaranteed the same system of justice as now applies to adults. No minor disciplinary action should occur at school. For example, until a child was tried, faced by his accusers, informed of the evidence against him, and pronounced guilty by a jury of his peers. Children of any age should be permitted to join a labor union, seek employment, receive equal pay for equal work, sign legal documents, manage all their own money, and be financially independent. This is a children's Bill of Rights. This is what we're being taught out in the world today we're gonna to c- compare this in a moment to the Bible but first we're gonna to listen to a a man whose uh, name is A.S. Neal, and he runs a school called Summerhill and this is a school where children can do anything they want to do here are some of the elements of his philosophy adults have no right to insist on obedience from their children attempts to make the child obey are merely designed to satisfy the adults desire for power. There is no excuse for imposing parental wishes on children. They must be free. The best homeless situation is one where parents and children are are perfect equals. A child should should be required to do nothing until he chooses to do it. They must not be asked to to go to work until they're at least eighteen. Parents should not ask them to do small uh, chores around the house. We insult them by making them do menial tasks. Religion should not be taught to children. The only reason religion exists in society is to release the false guilt it has generated over sexual matters. Punishment of any kind is strictly forbidden, according to Neil's philosophy. A parent who spanks his child actually hates him. At the Somerville home, Somerville, uh, home the, uh, the school, one young student broke 17 windows without receiving so much as a verbal reprimand. Children should not be required to say thank you or please, Further, they should not be encouraged even to do so. Rewarding a child for good behavior is degrading and demoralizing, it is an unfair form of coercion. Even if a child fails in school, the matter should never be mentioned by his parents. The child's activities are strictly his own business. Neal's philosophy in brief is as follows. Eliminate all authority. Let the child grow up without outside interference. Don't instruct him. Don't force anything on him. Doesn't that sound terrible? Notice how many of the following elements of the new morality can be Traced to the permissive viewpoint presented by Neil. God is dead. Immorality is wonderful. Nudity is noble. Irresponsibility is groovy. Disrespect and irreverence are fashionable. Unpopular laws are to be disobeyed. If you don't like the law, you don't have to obey it. Violence is an acceptable vehicle for bringing change. Authority is evil, and pleasure is paramount. Now, this type of thinking actually uh, was carried all the way to law in the country of Sweden In 1979 the major triumph of the children's rights movement was achieved in Sweden when it became illegal for parents to spank or otherwise punish their children the law which the Swedish Parliament passed by a vote of 259 to 6 prohibits any act which for the purpose of punishing causes the child injury or pain, even if the disturbance is mild and passing. The intent also prohibits phys- psychological punishment, such as scolding, sending the child to the bedroom, withdrawing TV rights, or similar humiliations. The Swedish government provided a 24-hour telephone line so that any child could call this line and report their parents and have them arrested more recently a prominent professor of law at Stockholm University has proposed that the Swedish Constitution be amended to include numerous rights for the minors. These rights include the right of kids to divorce their parents and this proposal has now been approved by a parliament in Sweden is now law. You can see how far people go astray when they no longer allow the Bible to be their guidebook for life. No wonder Paul predicted in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be, will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents. Paul said it would happen. It's now law in Sweden that they can be disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing whatsoever to do with them, said Paul. We must turn away from this foolish, worldly wisdom And get back to our Bibles to learn and to implement God's rules on raising children. We've read that Sweden has the highest suicide rate of any country in the world. And we're not surprised when we realize how far they have strayed from scripture. Now we're going to let Solomon give us some advice as well as others, all inspired. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. We know that's true, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Children really do not know what is best for them. Left of their own devices, they will destroy themselves and those around them. We Remember Paul in his beautiful chapter on love, that when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So, this is a Bible school. This is marriage guidance from the Word of God. And our so subject today is children. So we're going to let Scripture speak to us, not this worldly wisdom, which certainly is foolishness with God Proverbs 22 verse 6 train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not turn from it Proverbs 23 verse 13 do not withhold discipline from a child if you punish him with the rod he will not die we now have even in this country the problems see child abuse is a terrible thing and child abuse should not happen but the pendulum has swung too far uh, spanking is not a wrong thing to do according to scripture to beat the child to death of course is is, is, is wrong but a little switch on the place where they sit down uh, uh, does not do any permanent damage but it does do a lot of permanent good Proverbs thirteen verse twenty-four. He who spares the rod hates his son. And they're saying if you if you punish your child, you hate him. And the Bible says just the opposite of this. But he who loves him is careful to discipline him. You see, this poor little Sandy had her mother at her wit's end because she was the boss. And she was too young to be the boss. And and the mother was not wise enough to lay down rules which the daughter knew she had to follow. When we keep changing the rules, we frustrate our children. We need to be consistent. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. That's Psalm twenty, Proverbs uh, twenty-nine, verse fifteen. Verse seventeen: Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Verse 3 verse 12 because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. certainly our Heavenly Father does discipline us and we know that from Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son and that's daughters too. of course it's it's mankind endure hardship as Discipline. God is cre- treating us as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Well, when Hebrews wrote this, they didn't know about the laws in Sweden and the Children's Bill of Rights. <laughs> what father? What son is not disciplined by his father? The modern thing is don't do it. In those days, it was it was accepted even even outside the truth. If you are not disciplined, everyone undergoes discipline. At least he, he believes so then. Now, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. We know that's true. No child enjoys uh, being reprimanded, and we as adults don't. But yet, looking back in our own lives, we realize that the correction we received uh, turned us around and put us on the right path. And we're thankful for our our fathers and mothers who, who trained us properly. When I was naughty as a little kid, my mother used to make me go out in the yard and pick out the switch. There was a little tree that had small branches. And I would get the smallest one that I could find. And she'd keep sending me back until I got I got one that was acceptable to her. I wasn't going to get anything. But a, a little switch, you know, they sting. They don't, they don't do any permanent damage, but I just... And these trips back and forth, picking, looking for little branches that I thought would, I could get away with, and having them rejected and going back for another one. Uh, it, was, it was a very painful thing, because I knew what was coming, and I knew what was coming. <laughs> and uh, then I would have, to have trouble sitting down for a little while. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace, for those who have been trained by it you know in actual fact this little child was an unhappy child because she was not being disciplined the child it, it, it's, it's emotionally draining on a child to be able to get away with what they get away with they 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 they're, they're miserable and don't know why and 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 they they're out of control and they're unhappy because the parent is failing the child because the child is not being properly taught. God picked Abraham because he knew Abraham would command his children to do what was right. Imagine these new people's children's rights movement. Abraham, you have no right to tell your children what to do. And God says, yes, you do. And I'm going to pick you because you have more sense than the children's rights movement. Genesis 8, 18. God will surely become a great Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, said God. And all nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, so that he will direct his children, command his children, in the New King James, and his household after him, to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So the world says, Do not command your children. Let them decide for themselves what is right God says command your children We have to decide who's right The world Or our heavenly father And that's an easy decision To answer We know that God knows What's best for us And we know that proper parents Know what's best for their children And when they're punishing them And directing them And and guiding them They're doing it for their ultimate good And all things work together for our ultimate good. Not necessarily our present good. All things work together for good. For everybody, no. Only to those who love the Lord. Only those who are called according to his word. But at the time it's happening, we may not think it's our ultimate good. We do not understand why we're being chastened at times. And yet, even in the truth, we can look back at things that happened to us which seemed to be real bad things and turned out to be Really good things, because an all-wise God was guiding our lives. Paul told Timothy that we must be able to manage our family well, and that our children learn to obey and respect us. That was words to a, a bishop and to an elder in Titus. An elder must be blameless, a husband of one wife. A man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. We are judged by our children. And our daughter now is teaching school again. She had not taught school for many years until her children were growing up and now they are pretty well grown and she's back teaching. And she sees a difference in the children today than she saw the children of about 15 years ago. It's getting worse all the time. When I was a boy, the really bad kids in school chewed gum. And now they carry guns to school and hidden knives. Some of our schools, out our way, of course, we know the tragedy that happened in Colorado. Of course, Brother Brad Butts was involved in that. I mean, he was there. He was at that school and helping those children escape from those madman boys who were killing all of them. But you see, it's not isolated. It's just, And that's a nice school in a nice area. Uh, we have metal detectors in some of our schools in California now. And the kids go, just like when you go through an airport, you have to go through those to go to school. That kind of thing was unheard. Why is all that happening? Because parents are failing their children. This, this, this attitude of children's rights movements is breaking down uh, the uh, discipline no children do not have respect for the police they do not have respect for their teachers they don't have respect for their parents and for their elders so we have to be totally different brothers and sisters in all the world around us and our children should be totally different and they have a problem because they, they have to go to school with those people at least most of them do I know some of you are homeschooling your children um, our son and daughter-in-law homeschooled their three children up to a point. And now the they, one's gotten married, and uh, the others are, one's in college, and, and one's uh, in high school and, in, a, in, a, in a private high school because uh, they lived in an area where uh, they bust the kids in from the ghettos, and uh, the kids were tough kids, and it was not a good environment for them to be. It, it's a shame that we have these problems in the world. But we're being tested, brothers and sisters. How do we raise our children? Now, we, we, they have to realize how the exceeding sinfulness of sin... If they're around all these things all the time, they may not realize how bad it is. We, took, with, we have a wonderful group of young people here. You're their parents, so may I commend you for them. But uh, yesterday we talked about swearing, and I asked them if they'd ever heard anybody swear. And everybody in the room had heard somebody swear. Then we looked at Leviticus as to what happens, what's God's opinion of swearing. When a young boy got in a fight, he was angry. When you're fighting, you are angry. And he swore and he blasphemed God. And everybody heard it and they didn't know what to do with him. So they they locked him up to ask God's opinion. What what, what should we do with this young boy that swore? God's answer, you remember, was stoning. Can you imagine what would happen... Here in this area of Texas, if everyone who had ever said a swear word in their life all of a sudden dropped dead? No traffic. (laughs) Maybe nobody in the kitchen to service our meal. I mean, God hasn't changed his opinion of these things. Now, I can tell you totally honestly that I have never ever said a swear word in Korean. I don't know that language I've been there but I didn't learn any of it you see swearing is a, is a learned thing and, and we learn and it's all around them and I said to them there's some dear sweet sisters in the in this hall I was talking about you dear sweet sisters here that if you heard a swear word you, oh, oh, and you'd be shocked I hope you would I said you would be but those kids are not shocked when they hear a swear word they hear it all the time and there's so much around it that it doesn't seem so bad. And we've got to realize that these things are bad. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't make it okay. So our children are growing up in difficult times. God specifically commanded the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 11, saying in verse 18, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home. You do this, don't you, brothers and sisters? You talk about Scripture in your homes. And when you walk along the road, uh, and when you lie down, and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. If you go to Israel, every house has a little thing on their door, front door. Every hotel room in a Jewish room has a little thing. It's called a mezuzah. And they're, they're, they're complying with this. <laughs> but they're going through the form of it without without the substance. Write them upon the door frames of your houses and your gates. These little mezuzahs are supposed to have the law in it. And as you go through, in and out of your house, you rub your finger across it. They don't ever open it up and read it. <laughs> they just rub their finger across that little symbol. It probably is empty. If you buy them over there, they're empty. There's not even anything in them. But you see, God is trying to reach us through... His inspired word. And these words which he said to them are just as important to us today as they were then. We're to teach these things to our children. We're to talk about these things. Not what's on the television. Not, all, not some of the small talk. Small talk is not all wrong, but it's all small. <laughs> and we need to have, sometimes have some big talk. Some spiritual talk. So make sure in your home that you, you, you talk about spiritual things. One dear sweet sister here in the audience says, uh, You know, children, children more or less ignore adults, especially those they don't know. You know, at my advanced age, I'm invisible to a lot of kids. You know, we, we had a boy at, at our meeting that he would walk right by me, you know, and I'd see him coming, and I knew he wasn't going to speak to me. And, I, and I'd speak to him, and he wouldn't, just like I wasn't there, and he'd just go right on by. So I finally got to that. When I saw him coming, I'd go. There I go again. <laughs> this thing sure is flimsy. <laughs> but I would just block his way. He said, Well, hi, Bob. But then that's the only way I can get him to speak. But this, this sweet sister in the audience, who I'll leave nameless, uh, says, I try to talk to the young people here at the Bible school. So I, I asked them about their, their classes. Well, how are you enjoying your, your classes? And of course, every, all the children that are not here are in a class at, for their own level. And so she, 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 they have something they can talk to her about. She, she's asking them questions, and uh, it's a good, good suggestion, more of us could do it. Uh, draw them out, because that's big talk. Not, how's the weather? What's, what's going on at home? How was your class? What did you learn? What did they say? Uh, is, is, are you enjoying it? That kind of thing. We all If we all start asking them that, maybe they'll listen more. Maybe they slept through the class we have some young teenagers that are having a hard time staying awake in the first period I think they uh, they've been talking up in the, in the night and they're just working very hard and you can watch their eyes glaze over First and... uh, Kings chapter 3 verse 7 God is our Father and this is Solomon talking now O Lord my God This is a young boy. He's just about 19 or 20. We believe he became king in his own right at 20. He was king reigning in the last few years of David's life when he was 19, we believe. But now he says, I'm just a little child. He, He realized his own inadequacies, and we all realize ours. And I don't know how to go out and come in as I ought to, he says. He says, your servant is among The people you have chosen, a great people, two numbers to counter numbers. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased when Solomon made that request. And you know the story. he, He granted him his request for wisdom and he gave him much more besides. And that's what God will do. He, if we ask for the right things, he gives them to them, and he gives us even more. He, Jesus said, I'll bless you a hundred times in this life. And besides that, the kingdom. We only realize, God says, I'll just challenge you. Just put me first in your life. Bring me your tithes and all. And I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour out a blessing on you. You'll have so much, you won't know what to do. With. And we let We suffer lack because we don't really, wholly, totally put God first in our life. So children are great imitators. And so they're watching what we do. And so we must be role models for them because children do copy others. tell you a little story about myself which is not very complimentary. When I was a little boy, I was born and raised in Texas, and we drove to Detroit to, um, to visit uh, my aunt and uncle. They were not in the truth. She later was baptized after he died, but uh, he was a worldly man, and he was rich, and he had the longest car I'd ever been in, and he had a great big swell home out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I was really impressed by him. He was my Uncle Ed. And I was small enough that I could stand up in the back seat of the car. No safe belts in those days. My father and mother were in the back seat, and I was standing in the middle, looking between. And of course, I was in Detroit. I never saw so much traffic in all my life. And uh, as my Uncle Ed's driving, and as we're driving along, uh, a car cut him off. He went, I thought, wow, I never heard those words before. <laughs> I, I had heard words I had never heard because my parents didn't use them. So, of course, I was being young, and he was my uncle. I was impressed by him. His children are impressed by the wrong things. So we're riding along, and, and, and another car, and another, does almost the same thing. And I went, lo, 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 lo. same words. And all four of them turned on me. <laughs> I said, well, Uncle Ed said it. <laughs> but you see how quick I was to pick up on, on the wrong thing. Of course, his wife really bawled him out for, for corrupting my pure little mind. She said, "You know, and my kids in the back, my parents in the back seat grabbed me and me nice. 'Me, don't you ever say that again.' You know, I'm not sure what it was, but I'm sure they were not they were not nice words. And I never, as far I know, I don't I don't remember so I hope I never said them again. But uh, we we have to be such a role model uh, for each our, our, for our children. Solomon gave such good advice in Proverbs 6 to his son. He calls him my son. In seven chapters, there are 14 appeals to my son. This wise man, the wisest man who had ever lived up to that time. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. So, this is a father and mother talking to their boy. I guess this was Rehoboam. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. In other words, what we're saying to you, keep it on you. Get it down inside you. Have it with you at all times. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And corrections of discipline are the way of life. Father, mother, team, working together on their young son, teaching him what is right. Teachings of the Bible will do this for us. So the Bible has to be an open book in our homes, brothers and sisters. And you, make, you must be sure that you do, do your Bible reads with your children. They, they won't want to do them unless you encourage them to. And even when you encourage them to, they won't want to. They have to acquire a case for these things. And uh, it's only through much, much repetition Does a child acquire a taste uh, For the things of the truth Brother Tech is from England And over there they eat Marmite Brother Stephen is from Australia And over there they eat Vegemite And Vegemite and Marmite look like brown shoe polish And sort of taste like it But I'm bringing this up for a reason. You you get a little child in England or Australia when they're first born and they don't know any better. And you give them a little piece of toast with some Marmite or Vegemite on it. And they acquire a taste for it. And eventually they like that stuff. Now, I've said to the young people in both those countries, if I had to learn to eat Marmite or Vegemite to get in the kingdom, I'd start working on it. But unfortunately, you don't have to. But the reason for that is, is they, that you're bringing up a child on Marmite or Vegemite, and they, pretty, they like it. In fact, we've had people come to our home from these countries, and because they knew we wouldn't have any, they brought their own with them. And some of them have even given us as as a as a host gift a little jar of it a a jar about this size is a 50 year supply in our house (laughs) but but the point is if you eat it regularly you get to like it and i tell the young people when i first started reading the bible i didn't enjoy it and my parents forced me to come into the home and sit down and do the bible readings with them And because they trained me up that way I now love to read the Bible but I had to it's not a natural taste it's the glory of God to conceal a man honor of kings to search it out it's not a paperback book which grabs you and won't let you go the Bible is a book we have to work at reading and if we don't teach our children to love the scriptures they won't if we allow the Bible reading to be crowded out of our life because we're so busy our children won't complain at all that you didn't have time to do the readings today. So we really have to work at reading the Bible and training up our children in the way they should go. You fathers and mothers, when you when you get a brand new baby, you got a beautiful, clean slate there. Uh, a little baby comes to this life knowing nothing. And most of everything he learns or she learns in those first few years, she learns uh, from her father and her mother too many children are being raised today by babysitters daycare and nursery schools and that electronic teacher called the television And if they're taught by those they're not going to learn to love the Lord they're not going to learn the right things They are going to be taught all the wrong things because those are all ungodly sources of information So train up a child in the way he should go, says Solomon, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. The word train there comes from the Hebrew word chanak, C-H-A-N-A-K. And four out of five times this word is used in the Old Testament, it's translated to dedicate. Strong says to initiate, to discipline, to dedicate. So Solomon is telling us here to train, to dedicate our child to go in the straight and narrow way. Help our child, back to Vegemite and, and, and Marmite. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you t- help this child taste and see Scripture when they're growing up, they'll love Scripture as as, as, a, as a diet, but not if it's not given to them all the time. We remember the, the lovely story of Hannah and uh, how she dedicated her little boy Samuel Uh, to the Lord. Strange thing about Samuel and Eli. Eli, of course, you know, was very old and he heard that his sons were not doing what they should have done. And he said to them, Why do you do such things? I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, it's not a good report that I hear of, of the people about you. See, he probably waited too late. The time to train up Eli's boys were when they were little. He let them grow up on their own because Eli was busy. He he was uh, very involved in the Lord's work. That's to his credit. But to his discredit, he evidently didn't train his children properly. You see, we're involved in the ecclesial work. But your number one priority in your life If you're a husband, is to help your wife to get into the kingdom and to help your children get into the kingdom. And if you're a wife, to help your husband and get your children to get into the kingdom. And and that's the first priority. That comes ahead of even the Ecclesia. So if we're so busy, even in the Lord's work, that we're neglecting our children, we're too busy. And Eli must have made that mistake, and as you know, God was displeased with him. And told Samuel how displeased he was with Eli for not having raised his children properly. And so Samuel had a had a very early on in his life saw what not to do. And then what happens? Samuel becomes judge. And when Samuel was old, he made his sons judges over Israel. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways. But turned aside after gain, they took brides and perverted judge justice. So here we have, we have two stalwarts in the truth, neglecting their children. And so, brothers and sisters, uh, the lesson we learn is that we don't want to make that mistake with our children. Uh, give them the time they need to t- train them up in the way of the Lord we need balance in life Uh, we can be too extreme either way but if you have to make a mistake better to make a a, a, a little mistake than a big mistake a little mistake might be you rein in your child a little more than you needed to and a big mistake may may mean that you let them go too far and they perish Uh, brother Alan Hayward has a nice little story that he explains to young people of why he has to keep his dog on a leash. And this is what he says. He says, uh, young people come to him and, you know, they, children don't want to be on a leash. They don't want to be, be held back. And he, so this is Brother Alan Hayward's explanation. Some people can so train a dog that can walk down a crowded street at the heels of its master without wavering, regardless of the distractions around it, such as another dog, even a female dog or food or anything else that would attract the dog. Alan said, I do not have the ability to train my dog this well. So my only alternative is to keep my dog safe by using a leash and being able to pull it up tight when the dog wants to stray. I'm literally saving my dog's life with the leash because without it, he would bolt across the street to see another dog and be killed. So my jerking on his leash is really an act of kindness to the dog, if only the dog had sense enough to understand it. The dog really should be saying, thank you for holding me on a short leash. But we know that dogs don't have that much. And children too, at the young age, they don't say thank you for for leashing me in and keeping me from doing the things I shouldn't do. Sometimes as parents, we we really make our children angry with us. We went to a picnic once in Pomona years ago, and my daughter was just a young teenager, and she was invited over to Brother Dick Stone's home, and her daughter was the same age. And it was a it was a corn cob uh, picnic with, and Brother Harry had been one of the teachers, and we had all the Christians in Southern California come there, and so I thought Brother Dick, Brother Dick Stone was going to the picnic, and so I took my daughters little suitcase with her and at the picnic she was going to go home with with their daughter well it turned out Brother Dick and his wife weren't able to come to the picnic but his older son who uh, was not baptized at then at that time although later he was but he came with two friends from school and these two boys had a hot rod with those great big wheels in the back and little wheels in the front it looked like he was always running downhill but he wasn't but uh, and so the plan was that they were going to take my daughter and this big brother's little sister uh, home in this car with them. And I looked at those kids, and they weren't Christadelphian children, and I looked at them, and I looked at that car, and I said, my daughter can't ride with you. Oh, she was mad, angry with me. I'd embarrassed her in front of all these teenagers. It was going to be a great fun. You know, she she wasn't their date or anything. They were just taking her back home with, with, with young Margie. And I said, no, I'll find someone else to drive you home. And I went to another couple in, at the picnic that lived nearby and said, would you be willing to take my daughter and Margie Stone back to Dick Stone's house? And they said, oh, sure. Well, the, the fellow who, who was driving the car, but time came time for them to go. He was sworn up. He said, well, old man, we'll take your daughter now. We're ready to go. I said, Thank you, but she's not going with you. What's the matter with you? I mean, he was really rude. I mean, he, I don't want what, his, you know, I said, thank you for offering to take her, but I, I've made other arrangements. <laughs> well, okay for you, old man. I oh, do kept calling me old man. I wasn't even old then. <laughs> <laughs> but they took off. Everybody heard it. But we heard the, the, the wheels, peel, peel, you know, the, and they laid rubber for I don't know how long. And pretty soon we got word that there'd been a terrible accident two stop signs down. And we all jumped in our cars and went down there. And they had run a stop sign and hit another car. And and uh, the the older brother was on the street unconscious. I I didn't know they'd let you do that, but was, we got we got there before the ambulance did. And the ambulance guy asked help and me he pick up the feet while he picked up the head and put this boy on this ambulance unconscious and take him into the. Now the the back seat of this car was. It, it was a it was the boys were all riding in the front seat it was a bench seat it was where the little girls would be and I looked at this car and it was all crumpled there I think they would not have survived and so now, now they might have gotten home okay but but I was a real ogre for a while with my daughter until after the accident and now then she thanked me you see the, the, the turn of events happened kind of quickly at that time many times it takes years before your, your children ever to try to protect our children from this world that they're growing up in and that means we have to have a very happy home life where the Bible is at the center of the stage and both husband and wife are role models for those children uh, that they all serve the Lord God said He would pick Abraham Because he would command his children To do what is right And God said about Abraham Abraham said about God Will not the judge of all the earth do right And of course the answer is uh, He will The Lord The Lord The compassionate and gracious God This is Moses talking about God to God Slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness Maintaining love to thousands. This is God describing himself, excuse me, to Moses when he was hidden in the cleft of the rock. God, this, is God's, this is God's character, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet he will not leave the guilty unpunished. We have a great responsibility, brothers and sisters, to our young people they are a blessing but god has entrusted them into our hands and we have to do what's right by them because it isn't natural to love the lord with all your heart soul strength and mind we've never seen god and, and the unseen is sometimes out of mind out of sight out of mind and so we have to keep god presence in our home jesus says that if you you know, I'll come and live with you, and bring my father with me. We'll make our abode with you, John 14. But, but he, they won't come if you don't want them. So we, we should have our heavenly Father and His Son as house guests in our home at all times. When you have house guests in your home, it changes things, doesn't it? You you do things a little bit differently when you have house guests. Just 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 pretend all the time that you have two house guests at every meal, at every conversation, wherever you whatever you're doing. That's our Heavenly Father and His Son and your children will know if you have them in your home and it will be reflected in your actions and your words and they will begin to emulate you because children do copy their parents so make yourself the right type of a role model For your children, you're the first Bible they have ever read. We're all, we're epistles known and read of all men, said Paul. What is the gospel according to you, uh, to your own children? Do they do do they see Christ in you, brethren? You you are the head of your house, and you are that you're taking the role of Christ. And and are are you kind and considerate and gentle with your wife and with your children? Uh, our home is a, is, a, is a great haven of rest or it should be and if it isn't uh, let's decide to make it that by changing and being more Christ-like we'll just close with some verses from the Psalms behold, children are a heritage from the Lord the fruit of the womb is a reward Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table.